both of them are like 400 years old. So like, what's the scale to them? You have to be at least 90 to ride this ride. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. It feels like we've known each other forever. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack. Total joke, waste of time. Or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy Mac. Hola, muchachos. The Gore Lover Alexis. Hey, everyone. And the Scream Queen Paris. Hey, sweets. We have another head-to-head comparison for you this week, this time of an 80s cult classic and its 2011 remake. Now, before we get into the bloodshed and the mayhem, we have some follow-up. We do have some follow-up, Chris, as we do every week. So, we recently reviewed a film called Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers, and we asked our friends on Twitter and Instagram, you know, what did they think about it? Was it a hack? Was it a slash? We know where we stand, but where do you stand? Surprisingly enough, 78% of our listeners gave it a slash, and only 22% gave it a hack. So, actually, this movie is a lot more favorable in the public eye than we may have thought. I'm going to guess small sample size. (laughs) Well, you know. No way. Uh, We have a comment from Jason who said, I just watched this trilogy for the first time last week, which means he also watched the third one. Mm, A little suspect on that. Uh, He said, man, it was rough, but I laughed a lot. The cop's kid head chop shocked me. No scares, but the outhouse scene, dear God, it brought me back to Fort Benning outdoor latrines and I gagged. You know what, Jason? I also gagged. And I know that during that episode, we talked a lot about the importance of representation and how this example was pretty problematic as far as trans representation goes. Uh, but you're, if you're interested in learning more about this issue and taking the conversation further, I recommend checking out an incredible documentary I watched this week called Disclosure. You can find it on Netflix. Um, and what I love about it is that it is made by trans people and they share exactly how different types of representation have shaped their lived experiences. So I don't really think you can get a better perspective on the subject than that. So check it out. And that's our follow up. All right, here we go then. Uh, This week, we're breaking out the vampire lore to explore two horror comedy thrillers that tell the story of how a teen fights back when a charming vampire moves in next door. The original film has stood the test of time. It holds a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 62% Metacritic rating, but its remake hasn't scored quite as favorably, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for our group. This week, we're welcoming you to both versions of Fright Night. Who has seen either version of this movie before? I have seen both of these films before. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, it's so funny. I definitely watched the second one, and I think closer to when it came out. Um, the first one, I know like some iconic scenes, but I never have actually seen it. But it's always been on my list to watch. Um, I think I can speak for myself and probably Ryan when I say that I have not seen either of these. Uh, I actually haven't even heard of them before this. So I was a very clean slate. Fright Night is such a generic title, I feel like. Um, so I really didn't even know what I was going into. Mm, all right. Well, I'm curious to see if, uh, just to confirm that Ryan actually hasn't seen either of these, it'll baffle me if she managed to see the Colin Farrell version. <laughs> so I knew without a doubt that I had not seen the 2011 remake before. I remember when it came out and I remember seeing the poster and knowing like, yeah, I really want to check that out. And then we were in the shipyards and life was miserable and I was just not doing anything. But the 1985 version, though, I thought I hadn't seen it. And it turns out I had. As soon as the movie started, I found myself seeing these very (laughs) familiar scenes. I'm like, oh, okay. And I feel like my problem is I lump 
all these vampire movies together in one little bubble. I like them. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy vampire movies, but it's like this Lost Boys. They're all in like this like nice little time capsule. And I only open it up every once in a while. So the details kind of get a little fuzzy for me. But that being said, for those of you who hadn't seen it, what were you expecting? So I've seen the second one, so I knew what to expect there, but I wasn't sure how, like, since I had never heard, of, well, not I've never heard, I've never watched the first one, I was like, hmm, I wonder if it's going to be like a scene for scene, um, kind of like Psycho was, or what, is it going to pay like tribute to it? Like, I wasn't sure what it was going to do. I just figured it was about a vampire. That's about it. <laughs> and I was uh, right on the dot. <laughs> I mean, I truly had nothing to go on except the title uh, when I watched it. So I, in my notes, I wrote for movie predictions, I wrote bad because, you know, Fright Night doesn't sound like the best movie. Uh, I also wrote zombies because I felt like it had some zombie vibes with that title. And then I wrote haunted house question mark. And I can't say I was very accurate there. <laughs> so my expectations were kind of off. That's totally fair. I having watched when I sat down to watch both of them, I watched the first one just to refresh myself and remembering like okay yes no this this is definitely a thing i've seen before and have experience with it wasn't something that i have like this intimate familiarity with it's definitely not something i've seen more than maybe a couple times in my life when i looked and saw that the 2011 version has a incredible cast so you have david tennant you have imogen poots uh you have the guy from kick-ass and a number of other things you have anton yelchin who oh my gosh rest in peace i'm like so sad watching him again to, to know that he's dead and then uh, we have Colin Farrell and Tony Collette. I'm offended that Tony Collette is so low on that list. Well, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when you see how many movie people are in this movie, it's like, this can either go really, really good or it can be total shit because you're trying to cram too many people into one thing. So I expected the 2011 version to be kind of off the rails and really doing its own thing. Similar to how we saw from Suspiria, right? Like it captured the essence, but not necessarily a lot of the same beats. I was pleasantly surprised that I was wrong, though. Uh, how did you guys feel when you were watching it? Having seen both of these a while ago, I, you know, I had like certain memories of each movie. So the, the first one for me, I just I was really young when I saw it. And I kind of remember a completely different story for some reason in, in terms of like certain characters being you know, slightly different from the film. But going back and watching it, it was, you know, pretty close to my memories. But there's, of course, so many small details that I forgot about because that's how brains work. So that was fun. <laughs> but I, I was kind of expecting going back to watch the 2011 that I wasn't going to like it because for some reason, I my memory wasn't as favorable for the 2011 as it was for the 1985. And I actually was, was kind of wrong while watching it because I think there's like stuff that I remembered about it and it just being, I don't know, like cheesier than it actually was. And so going back and rewatching it was was good because it wasn't really cheesy. Like I, for some reason, remembered it being the first one. The 1985 was definitely um, a little bit cheesier than I remembered because I'm remembering it from, what was I, 10, 11, 12 years old, something like that when I first watched it. Oh, wow. And so to me, it was like this like... Frightening. Uh, yeah, it was, oh my gosh, you okay. know, it was like really dark. And then going back and watching it, especially with with the cast that's in it, I was thinking like this, how they added in a couple of funny lines could have been the Princess Bride level of, Jeez. of camp for me. <laughs> <Okay>. That's true. <laughs> that's true. It's so funny when I was watching these and I, it, it's just, movies are like weird to me because I feel like, okay, it goes, you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going, you get to a climax and then, you know, it's the ending. 
All right, cool. Wraps up, whatever. I feel like this movie, like, and they both kind of take the same um, essence is halfway in the middle, you think you're getting to like, you know, this resolution, like, oh my gosh, like, and then you're like, nope, that's not it. It's like, and then you go through this second half of the movie where it's like, oh, okay, it's going to do another buildup. And I'm like, okay, so this movie like felt so long, like both of them felt so long. And it's cool that they that like roller coaster kind of was seen in both of those movies, which I thought was great. Yeah, it's interesting to bring that up. It's wild because they both had the same runtime. And the first one is a little bit more linear. Like, you know, it certainly builds up to a point where you're like, okay, something's got to happen here. But the second one in particular, it just like builds up to something. And then you're like, what? How do I have half the movie left? It's exactly what I, because I paused and I was like, what? I swear they're like... This is, is this not the end? <laughs> it's a, it's the psych end. <laughs> psych. Yeah, I just definitely feel like both of these movies had several many endings in them, uh, and they just kept going. I'll say that there was definitely a stark contrast in the pacing of these movies. I felt like during the original, um, there were times where it was pretty slow for me, um, and in the the remake, I felt like there were a lot of uh, moments to keep me engaged, so I didn't. I didn't find it as hard to stay in the story. Can I can I go back to that multiple ending thing? Because <laughs> that just reminds me of my experience with Boogie Nights. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie with Marky Mark. I have not. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. I've never truly seen the whole movie, though, because I've seen it probably four times. And each time I cut off probably 75% of the way through the movie, there's like a certain scene. I don't want to describe it. But for some reason, I don't know if it, if it cuts to black or something, but I always thought that was the end and I just stopped watching it, never realizing that there's like another like 35, 40 minutes to the movie. So to this day, I think I've only seen the actual full ending like, I don't know, maybe once. Interesting. <laughs> maybe you watched it on TV when you have the like shortened version. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> that's what happened. Oh, like on TNT or USA. Yeah. But I, I was watching one time and I was like, this this movie looks like like Boogie Nights. And then I realized... That it was, and it was just like a whole section of the movie that I never kept watching to, and I felt really bad. But it, it kind of feels like that, you know, when when you have a movie that like could have, you know, it almost feels like it would be prime real estate for for a made for TV version or for like a, a miniseries version where they're able to have like those those episodes, if you will, inside of the film where they can have that nice little ending and then and then keep going on. Yeah, shout out to that Chucky series coming out. I know, right? Or I would love to see a, the, like, you know, antics between, you know, Jerry and Charlie. That would be cool. Because it's always like, uh uh-huh, I gotcha. No, As like I'm a not, sitcom? I love yes. that. Yes. <laughs> it's like Tom and Jerry, but Jerry and Charlie got it. Yeah. Like a dark comedy. <laughs> yes. It would be great because you see, I think that's what I got is, you know, usually when there's a struggle, okay, cool. You hit one point, then it's, you know, it hits the end, whatever. But this, it was like, no, nah, it was like a kind of like cat and mouse, which I fell straight into and yeah. enjoyed. Well, there you go. Both of these movies felt like a joyride for me, but in two very different ways. The original felt more like this like zany 80s fun, but the second one felt almost more thrilling. And it's weird because even though they both have comedy infused, like there are some things that I chuckled at, but I wasn't like laughing, cracking up like Tucker and Dale versus evil. You know what I mean? Like it's not that kind of comedy. I also felt like the the remake was so familiar and yet so staunchly independent. So it was a really interesting blend of like these nods to the original while still making its own choices. And most of the time with remakes, the sequel makes the wrong decisions, right? So we'll see how those decisions fare as we can kind of get you know, deeper into our discussion. But I will say that one of the things that surprised me when rewatching the original Fright Night 
was how unlikable I found Charlie to be so quickly. What about you guys? What surprised you in either of these movies? I, we kind of touched on this already, but I was really surprised by like what a star-studded cast was in the remake. It felt like every new scene they introduced a character that I wasn't expecting. Um, and Chris, I'm also now offended that Dave Franco was nowhere in your list playing our token hot douche. Oh, yeah. He's just as much of a douchebag as his brother. Right. But, you know, that's what we love him for. <laughs> and those eyebrows. Can you can you blame me? Speak for yourself. I certainly don't love him for anything. <laughs> uh, well, but yeah, I was definitely surprised really overall of the tone of this movie because I was not expecting it to be a sort of like boy next door vampire storyline. Um, so watching that unfold, I was like, what is this and where is it going? Um, and then the remake, I really appreciated the fact that it was like a true remake. It definitely modernized it in a few ways and added a couple of uh, embellishments and its own takes. But I feel like at Hacker Slash, we're kind of purists when it comes to remakes. Like we want our remakes to be remakes as opposed to a, a general premise taken in a completely different direction. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I feel like that's the vibe I've gotten from us. No, that sums it up pretty well. I mean, we don't want a shot for shot remake and we don't want something that's totally different and disrespects the original. Right. This definitely straddled the remake line very nicely, I feel like. Kinky. Straddled it very nicely, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll talk about straddling later on. <laughs> Speaking of straddling. I'll say what, what surprised me about the 1985 is Chris Sarandon because, again, memories, they're distant. It was a long time ago and I just didn't remember his performance and it's amazing and i love it because it's somehow menacing yet somehow light-hearted in a way he kind of seems like a really genuinely nice guy when he's being a nice guy i mean susan married him well that's true that's true and i <laughs> you know that was before this movie too so but who knows what happened but you know he's got that little bit of charm going which is which is great and i don't think you get that charm with colin farrell in the you second don't. film you get this bad boy i want to i want to straddle you kind of look whoa colin, okay Col <laughs> we know what alexis is into bad boys <laughs> for sure yeah he's like a bad boy i'm gonna help you with your yard work and when i tight pants my wife beater that doesn't sound like a bad <laughs> yep. boy at all that sounds like a guy <laughs> i'm gonna help you with your yard work the wife beater is what makes him bad the wife beater is definitely a <laughs> Bad boy thing. Oh, I don't know. I'm not, I know a lot of nice guys who are wife beaters. They don't beat their wives either. That live in Vegas, Chris? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll cover both of them in our uh, our brand new Daddy versus Daddy segment uh, coming oh. up later this episode. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited for that. But um, you know, the in 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 the second one, um, that star-studded cast was fantastic. But I was kind of surprised by the humor in it because I. I, again, I just remembered it being a little bit campier than than it actually is. Um, it actually had some pretty, you know, smart humor and some pretty smart kind of ties to the to the 1985 film too, which I loved, which I can't wait to uh, to dive into. But both films surprised me in how homoerotic they were and homophobic in parts. Thank you, Matt. Agree, agree. For sure. Yeah, I like totally missed out Some on that. Some of the comments, I was like, whoa, they said that. <laughs> I mean, this was my first time watching, so I definitely didn't miss out on it, but I can see missing out on it at the time. Yeah, especially when you're like, you're, you know, 12 years old or whatever it was for the 1985. And for the 2011, I think it was probably one of those that either I saw on TV, like maybe on HBO or something, or on a streaming service after it had already been released. And it's still been a few years, so my memory has not been perfect, of course. But I, I didn't pick up on it in each, in each viewing. And now this the second time through, I'm just like, wow, there's a line that was like deliberately sexual, outwardly so, that I completely missed out on. 
in in the 85 version. May I pose a question? Of, of course. Was the 2011 version released in 3D? It must have been. There was a 3D version. Okay, okay yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Because there were a lot of moments where I was like, this feels like a 3D movie of the time. Mm-hmm. This feels like a My Bloody Valentine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. There was at least a few shots that were deliberate like that. Except like, done like 1% better than My Bloody Valentine. Because My Bloody Valentine, they really went hard. <laughs> like, they committed to it. Hey, there's <laughs> moments in this one that they also committed to, but we'll talk more about those later. Yeah, but My Bloody Valentine committed the whole damn runtime to it, so. That's true, that's true, as opposed to a few moments. <laughs> you got your money's worth on that. Um, it's funny, I will talk a little bit more about this, probably in the core section, but it was amazing how, like, to me, the vampire look in the first one was a little bit more menacing than the second one. When you have all of these, like, cool, like, CGI that you could do, it's, like, in all this, like, grotesque, although the second one's more gory, but, like, this first one, I think it was just, like, something you weren't really used to, and Mm -hmm. there's so many iconic scenes, and I think the vampire look in the first one is so iconic. Like, I definitely have seen those teeth. I've seen all that sort of stuff. So it was crazy that I was, like, I was more frightened by, if you would say, a little bit more scared of the vampires in the first one than the second one. One of those vampires straight up looked like Pennywise. Yes. Yes. The teeth. I'm surprised that you say the second one is gorier. I know it's, like, technically gorier. There's probably more blood and stuff and, and limbs or whatever. In that way, yeah. But there's a couple death scenes in the first one that were just straight up like two and a half minutes of, you know, a body decomposing or melting or whatever you want to call it. Just like that level of, of destruction of, of a corpse. Well, two versus two twenty. Like, I don't know. No, I know what you mean. I think there's just more to me when I think of gore, I just think a lot of blood, but not a lot of what we'll talk about green stuff. <laughs> but like as far as the scare factor goes honestly for the original i put like a zero percent scare factor i was not afraid whatsoever during that movie um and for the remake i put like 15 20 scare because it did i think a better job of building tension in some scenes um but for the most part i wasn't afraid no fear whatsoever Anna. never yeah never Va- vampires don't instill fear in me because they're not real and they're, they're they are real they're super ridiculous <laughs> Let's add to not real by saying they're absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And they're, I just find them funny. I don't know why, but they're always funny. And now that we have what we do in the shadows, oh my they're gosh. always going to be funny. Okay, I think that ruined it for you. I could not stop waiting for Laszlo, Nandor, and Nadja to just pop out in the 2011 version. It was amazing. I, just, <laughs> I really want to see a remake of Fright Night, but with them as a guest appearance. <laughs> a little throwaway cameo please okay but alexis i'm with you on ghosts ghosts are real and i'm with you on aliens aliens are definitely real but vampires i do not believe that vampires are real i've watched a lot of documentaries um of vladimir the impeller impal impaler the impala yes <laughs> the chevy impala the, vladimir the impala he is driving on his two six fours rocking the beat <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please send me those documentaries because I would love to join you on this island of vampires are real. It's it's not it's really not a documentary. There are people. Okay, so there is a Dracula movie that basically says that Vlad the Impaler is Dracula or like was the inspiration for Dracula, but 
there are people out there who do vampiric styles of things. Obviously, they're not immortal. They're not undead. They don't have these fangs naturally um but there are people who are fucking weird and try to suck some blood yeah but that's mostly like an affectation and most of them live in transylvania so we're good no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) but i would love to go backpacking there maybe we can find out Ooh, we should definitely do that um i saw one of these individuals on uh my strange addiction it was somebody who was addicted to drinking blood but you could tell it was definitely like a personality affectation they were like oh i like to drink blood because like i'm goth and like this is how i identify and want to express myself but i was like are you addicted to drinking blood I'm going to be honest. I really thought that story was going to go. I saw one of these people on Tinder. (laughs) Hey, I am one of these people on Tinder. I mean, did your profile picture have the fangs that you use on our website? Probably. When it did, when I had my Tinder profile, I think it did. Also, the taste of blood isn't bad. You know, it has a strong iron taste that's like, "Mm, nice. You like like sucking on pennies? Yeah. No. Well, listen, I used to lick batteries when I was little, but that's probably explaining too much. Those those batteries (laughs) with the two things on the end? Yeah. The nine volts? You put your tongue on those to feel the tingle. Yeah, yeah. everybody did that, right? Yeah. That's how you tested nope. them. I did not do that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well. Y'all are psycho. We just did it to <laughs> test it to see if they were still alive. You guys did it for fun? I mean, I just. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Chris, it's down to you and I. Did you chew on aluminum foil ever? <laughs> no. Mm-mm, no. Um, just me. Okay. Okay. I'm done. You know, I, I know people have done it, so I know it's not like a uniquely you thing. Okay, good. However, I think I imagined what it must feel like to do that and have feelings. And even though I've never had like a feeling in my life, it just like yeah. the cringe factor of it just threw me off and shamed me from, from ever doing it. I can feel that just by you talking about it. Yeah. It feels like you're an electric robot. Ooh, okay. That's very specific, Paris. <laughs> I just smoked weed. Okay, guys, I didn't chew on aluminum. I just smoked weed. I just did something natural. <laughs> I'm <but>. normal, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I'm normal. There are worse things I could do than chew on aluminum, too. <laughs> Great karaoke song. I had some trouble when I was watching this movie, getting this image out of my head of another movie where a vampire moves in next door, except this vampire tries to date one of the kids' moms. And I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of The Lost Boys. No, no, you're not. You're thinking of a different movie. Can I say what it is now? Please. Blade. (laughs) You're thinking of Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Oh, Oh, shit. Yes. Okay, that is it. With Mr. Sheffield? Yes. Okay, that is definitely it. But I think there is something that happens with the mom in The Lost Boys. Oh, maybe. I haven't seen that one, but I was definitely reminded of that. Or The Vampire Assistant, maybe? Maybe. There's a lot of vampire movies out there that it, yeah. you can't help but think of when this movie comes to comes to mind, just because this movie is very self-aware as a vampire movie. It kind of references a lot of vampire tropes. Um, so it's hard not to think of those other vampire things. I also do appreciate a post-Twilight movie commenting on Twilight. That's pretty great. But do you guys feel like this movie distinguishes itself enough? From the rest of the vampire crowd? Well, that's that's tough because we've seen so many other depictions of vampires by this point. It's hard to differentiate like what draws upon what. But I like that this version of vampires in the 1985 version, they can still be pretty brutal and still look really ugly. And I love that that carries through to the 2011 version because I think every other vampire movie we see is basically like seduction, a, right? seduction, attractive yeah. people that happen to have really sharp, you know, fangs going on mm-hmm. or like the strain where they're like viral vampires. And that's just another zombie film or movie right there. All right. That's zombie adjacent for sure. Were you really sad when I got canceled? Cause I definitely was. I wasn't sad because I stopped watching at a certain point. What? That movie. Yeah. Was- 
So I really, uh, I was, was good. binging The Strain. I was really binging it. And then I canceled Hulu and stopped binging it at, at some point. And I tried, when I picked it back up, I like, let's hit play on this episode. And I was like, nah, this is dumb. I can't watch this anymore. Man, I loved it. I loved it. So look, we can generally agree that there isn't much fright about this night, but how did you guys feel about the way each story wrapped up? I, I rather like the endings of, of both films. I love a good vampire just story in general, whether it's treating them positively or as villains or whatever, as long as it's succinct. I hate when you get a vampire thing and it's really just kind of like ambiguous and you don't really know what happens to the main characters, what happens to the vampire itself. And you're just like left to wonder what might be afterwards. And I feel like both of these films did a really good job of being like, here's the story. It's done. Mm. I don't know. I kind of like a little bit of mystery when it comes to the vampire. So I kind of like how the first one um, wrapped up um, compared to the second one. Um, I think it's a little bit more concrete what happens in the second one than the first one. But um, I do appreciate some like mystery and additional seduction i don't know <laughs> seduction <laughs> hope for the for ending more. <laughs> for me i thought the endings were both pretty serviceable you know there weren't any egregious offenses in the endings i felt like they were pretty conclusive um i wouldn't have been mad about like a, a sort of teaser for like oh but maybe it's not over kind of thing um but yeah the, the endings were they happened i'm not mad looking looking at both of them i found myself more satisfied by the results of the remake even though the results are just about the same i think it's because i cared about those characters more but that being said they wrap themselves up really well they're very conclusive but what i think we do need to do is get into how we feel about these movies so we can start breaking down the actual specifics of the stories now before we get to our ratings alexis how many people died in the original version uh, it will be six total. Yeah. And you, you know, it's a vampire movie, so you don't know what you're getting there. What about the remake? The remake has almost double, so 13, which is pretty high. That sounds right. You, you're right. You never know what you're going to get a vampire movie, whether you know, there's some resurrection, whether there's, you know, like, you know, what's going on. That's always a factor. Stay tuned for more. Now, there were some animals in both movies. What is our animal report looking like for the Fright Night experience? So for the original film, uh, I would be lying if I said one of our lupine friends did not suffer a wound. Um, but in the remake, it was fine. We're clear for the remake. Yeah, that first one's a little rough to watch, but uh, that's okay. Let's get into the scoring. Fright Night from 1985. Was it a hack or was it a slash? It was a slash. I think it's fair to say that if you grew up with this, you probably have fond memories of it like me. But I don't know how you guys feel being new to it since you didn't watch it growing up. But I, I feel like it kind of set into motion my appreciation of the vampire and, you know, just the whole like occult genre for like the traditional occult genre for, for horror movies for me, where I just have this like fond memory of it. And now that I have watched it again, I think it's probably mostly due um, to Chris Sarandon and his portrayal of a vampire. Interesting. I really enjoyed this movie. I think uh, Chris nailed it for me when it has this like 80s-ness surrounding it. And it's got this, you know, I wasn't expecting a comedy. And I know you guys have seen like what we do in the shadows. And I haven't really seen like, I I don't want to say a comedy, but you know, something that has like some elements and some characters in it that make you laugh, but it's still like enjoyable. It's not over the top. Um, 
And this one just, I mean, it was just great. I followed the characters, you know, and I don't know. I'm liking more 80s movies more and more now than I ever have, you know. (laughs) Peeling back the layers and looking deeper than the surface. It's good. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I am happy to say, and it feels so good, that this movie was such a hack, you guys. After three weeks of slashes, I'm happy to hack this film. Going into it completely blank, I didn't really recognize that it was supposed to be comedic. Uh, It wasn't funny to me. I wasn't scared, so it kind of failed in a lot of ways. There were some uh, effects that were very bad, and there were some effects that were actually very good. Like, there was one specific element of this film that I loved, but it wasn't enough to make up for the rest of it. And maybe it's the fact that I don't have enough, like, vampire background to get into this, because really my only point of reference for, like, vampires and horror would be uh, Let the Right One In, which I feel like is a the right way to approach vampires in horror like if you're gonna do vampires make it artsy make it moody make it dramatic don't make it like stupid don't make it funny because then i'm just i'm not gonna get into it because ultimately this movie felt to me like a combination between like mom's got a date with a vampire and like a bad goosebumps episode and so it gets a hack Mm. i i can feel that goosebumps feeling with you and I, i watched it like i don't know if it was like redone in 4k or something like that but i watched like a high quality version of it on a 4k tv and i feel like with some older movies it ends up making them feel a lot more like goosebumps episodes or like even like soap operas sometimes so i i I can feel that vibe all right so so far we have two slashes and one hack now look there are some problems with the 1985 fright night uh what the hero is unlikable in my opinion yep uh there's some some flagrant sexism there that I'm just not a fan of. You have another one of the prominent characters who's a cross between Sid from Toy Story and one of the cackling hyenas from Lion King. Uh, So that's like an interesting recipe that I'm not particularly interested in, right? However, when it comes down to it, I love comedic vampires. And I think it's because it's so easy to see it done seriously. It's so easy to see it yeah, you know, thirty days of night. It's so easy to see a Queen of the Damned, uh, any number of Dracula movies. And look, I think maybe it's just what we do in the shadows has has primed me for this. I love self referential humor and the meta ness of this movie and its approach. The nineteen eighty five Fright Night gets a slash for me. It's zany fun, even if there are some weirdos in it that I'm not particularly fond of. And with that. We're actually going to carry into the 2011 remake because that's also a slash for me. Uh, it has a cast that I find way more enjoyable with the exception of Colin Farrell, but we'll get there. You have a movie that is elevated from its zany 80s roots and given it the modern touch of you know being thrilling. Uh, so I, I thought it was the perfect balance of modernizing some things, disregarding other things, and infusing new elements to it. And so that one gets a slash from me. But here we go. 2011 Fright Night. Hacker slash for you folks. I'll tell you, Chris, I totally agree that this movie definitely improved in a lot of ways upon the original. But for me, it still wasn't enough. In some ways, it seems to make infractions that are, you would think would be like from an 80s movie, but are from 2011, in which case the excuses are kind of like, "Hmm, why did you include that? Um, I will admit that the one element that I loved in the original carried through into this film, and I also loved it here, uh, and we'll talk about that after. But for me, it was like there were a lot of the same mistakes as the original, as well as some new mistakes that didn't really 
hit with me. So I'm giving this one a hack too. I did not care for either of these movies. I will never watch them again. Uh, Not my cup of tea. Interesting. Sort of agree with what you're saying. Um, Interestingly enough, I found this one to not be as good as the first one. Um, I just think you have this, you know, promise to do a lot more when you have, you know, a great cast, you have, you know, CGI that you can put in and you can really like, you know, give some terror to these vampires. But like, I just wasn't feeling the same kind of vibe in the first one. Um, But I do appreciate like the scenes, like the opening scene is my favorite Um, just because they have Fright Night on like and Vincent on both of the TVs, which I was like, oh my gosh, cool. Please don't be a scene for scene. And then I was like, all right, we're good. We're good. (laughs) Um, I love like gory. It's a little bit more gory. You have a lot of more teeth. Um, Things a little different. You got a lot more reds and, you know, I kind of like a look of this. So as, as it wasn't, overall like a better movie than the first one um i still really enjoyed it i still loved watching this second time i've watched it um i'd have to remove myself a few more years before i watched it again but i definitely love how meta this one was too um wasn't as much as the first one but um i'm gonna have to give it a slash still (laughs) nice i i love me some vampire stuff you know it's it's for some reason it's really fun to watch and when i do enjoy some vampire stuff i like things that emulate the traditional Dracula a lot and Nosferatu. So I like vampires that are kind of gross looking and they have a lot of sharpness going on and like they have the long nails, you know, kind of thing. Yet somehow they still have a little bit of that like seductive power. And I think they hit on, on both movies here. They hit it on the head um, to have that, that nice balance. But I think, you know, you have, if you haven't watched it, obviously I'm going to throw out some, some character names you may not you know, recognize yet. But the vampire from the first one, superior than the one in the second one. The the uh, protagonist in the second one, better than the first one. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys can agree that Charlie was was definitely a better Charlie in, oh, yeah. in 2011. Hell yeah. So that, that's, that's pretty easy for me. The Peter Vincent in both movies, actually pretty great in both movies. So I got to give both of them credit. And each of them has their own reasons why they're pretty great. And, and really fun. Um, but I can't really tear down the 2011 at all, even though the vampire is not as good as the 1985, even though, you know, it's, it's different. It's got so much going for it that calls back to the original and not in a way that's like boring and repetitive. It's not like I, I literally watched these two back to back and it was two completely different movies and I was totally happy doing so. And I feel like a lot of remakes and, and reboots, and things of that nature you'll get into. If you were to do that, you would be like, I just watched this. Why am I doing this to myself? But not not this one. I was completely happy to watch both movies right in a row. I don't know if I should have pulled Orion and perhaps watched the newer one first, <laughs> but I actually really enjoyed the experience from both films. So the 2011 for me gets another slash. I got to tell you, Mac, I did try to watch these two movies back to back. Uh, but I did actually fall asleep at 9.30 p.m. because of the first one. The disrespect in this household. I don't know. Vampires just don't do it for me. I really need to hear. I really need to hear about why you don't like. OK, I got I have notes. We'll talk. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Fright Night from both 1985 and 2011 made it out scathed by only one hack and had three slashes to back it up. Now, you can find these both streaming 
If you have a Showtime subscription, the 2011 version will be uh, looped into that. Paris pulled some magic and found it on some website you wouldn't expect it to be on. So (laughs) uh, if you do some hunting from the 1985 version, you can find it there as well. But go ahead and check both of them out. Join us in the second half because we have some vampires to talk about. We'll see you in a bit. Howdy there, vampire hunters. Do you ever get hungry after a night of slaying the villainous undead? Why not celebrate a successful hunt with a delicious porterhouse? Did you get two kills with one wooden steak? Enjoy a filet mignon. Score a vamp kill with a sharpened piece of human bone? Snag a T-bone. Stew Steaks and Steaks sells the finest grade A steaks for all you steak-wielding heroes. And don't forget, we carry a variety of wooden, metal, and elk antler steaks for your slaying needs. The steaks have never been higher. All right, welcome back to Fright Night. Both movies earned identical scores, earning three slashes and one hack apiece. Now, we had some differences in the body counts earlier, and we had some differences in opinions on these movies. So let's start getting down into business. Alexis, what's up with the gore score for both movies? All right, well, um, I'm going to put uh, the 1985 version in its, like, in its time in the 80s. It was still gory for me. It was pretty high gore. Um, there's two, like scenes i think that like show this like gooey mess um one is gonna be my first my well, my favorite kill um which is gonna be billy you know this like green gooey and i think i'm at this point still like who are you what are you billy are you his what familiar yeah familiar no, I have a theory about Billy. I want to hear it. Here's the thing. It's not even a theory. You remember how Prom Night, this is Laurie Strode and Michael yeah. in the alternate universe? Yeah. Billy, I have this like, I, just, I watched this and when he got shot and knocked down to the stairs, but then did the perfect sit up with that core strength and then just kept coming. I'm like, whatever Billy is made of, Michael Myers must also be made of, except Michael Myers doesn't melt. So there's that. Okay, I was going to say, because I wasn't sure. I'm like, is he a vampire or is he just this person like stuck because he has kind of some vampire blood, but is not fully transformed? I don't know the logistics of what Billy is, but I think he is his familiar, like Mac was saying. I always remembered this movie as the familiar being a werewolf. Okay, so what the heck is a familiar? So the familiar is the, yeah, so basically if the vampire's got to sleep, you know, all day, you need somebody to do all the the menial tasks and like take care of you, make sure you don't get killed, right? Oh, very so important. You have very somebody important. that can stay awake and go into the light and buy you groceries and mm-hmm. clean the floors and that kind of thing. Oh. So I, for some reason, always remembered that this movie had a, a werewolf familiar, and it doesn't. Kind of, <laughs> kind of. That's so. When when he got shot, when that scene started, I was like, oh, I was right. It was a, it was a werewolf, and then it kept going, and I was like, oh, he's a zombie. <laughs> because something. I don't remember where there. There's obviously ten thousand other vampire movies, and I'm sure there's a werewolf familiar in, in some of them, but I don't remember why I thought it was this movie. Uh, but it wasn't. But is he a zombie? Is was he just like cursed with eternal life or something? I think that's what it was because I, I don't know. I loved it was just him melting until like scene after, and it was so long. And I was like, oh my gosh it's still going like it's and it was great and i thought it was st- i mean it wasn't terrifying but it wasn't like something i've seen in the 80s where i'm like that looks so stupid 
that <laughs> it ruined the movie for me. Paris has feelings. Can a human be a familiar if you're non-human? Well, anyone can be a familiar. I thought familiars were exclusively animals. Aha. So I will again point you to the good reference material that is what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Guillermo, the best fucking familiar. So good. I really huh. need to see this because this is a first like... I know we're getting a little bit out of the gore, but this is like the first movie that I've seen that has a comedic value. I've seen such that are like so dark and ominous that I'm like, this was just like, and I know I've mentioned this on plenty of other podcasts. I need to see it. I need to see it. I'm just going to put it on tomorrow night. All right. Please. Maybe <laughs> that should great, be though. our Patreon content. I, I love that this movie wasn't a comedy. Yet the charm of the vampire was comedic in, in many cases. You didn't think Evil Ed was? That son of a bitch. Uh, evil, like, you know. Ew, I hated Evil Ed. <laughs> so Chris's description of Evil Ed was very apt. and I get it, I get it. Annoying. It was, it was a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, so there was parts of it I found, I found really funny. Um, I liked parts of Evil Ed from 1985 more than parts of Evil Ed from 2011. And vice versa, in some cases. But as a character overall, um, I feel like we could have done uh, without a little bit. I would have loved that. Interesting. Because I think he's so iconic. When I think of this movie, I think of his face. And I think of um, Amy's face as well towards the end. So like, I think of both of them. And that's what this movie is to me. It isn't Jerry. It's Evil Ed. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that Evil Ed's death with a fucking stake as a werewolf. And that confused the hell out of me. How is a vampire yes. also a werewolf? Thank you. I don't know where that came from, but Alexis, what about the gore score for the 2011 version? We started off pretty hot and heavy in this one. Um, we got some, you know, slit throats or whatever was going on. Maybe it was just a bite that turned into like something crazy. And then you have the mom that's like all on top of the bed. And, so funny, the guy's like laying under the bed making all this noise, and then his dad just slides and I'm like, oh mess. But it was pretty gory, I thought. Like it wasn't as like ewy and gooey. It was bloody in this for sure. This movie definitely took a, a page out of Prom Night in 2008's book. Yeah, I mean, you even missed out on gore for vampire deaths coming from the 1985. Like the vampire deaths were just like, you know, very like True Blood style. You know what I mean? Well, True Blood is actually really gory. Never mind. But I feel like a lot of mon- blow up. Yeah, where they blow the up blood. In, in blood spurts. We had a little bit of that for 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 Jerry, but a, a lot of modern vampires they just like explode or they turn to dust or something. Yeah, I hate the dust, which I think is what they is what they did in, in like the 2011 version. Yeah, I mean, there's there's they have a mix like depending, but I love that that 1985 like turning to just like skeleton and like goo and grossness um so i think we we like traded off we like lost out on vampire gore and then got a lot of human gore which was cool which i like too my favorite death in the second one um and i when i saw this this is why i was like everyone's gonna give this a slash it's a great movie they brought back og jerry in the second one hell yeah which i thought was so cool they did I thought I it was like, that oh, immediately. Like, yes. So his death was my favorite. One, there's blood spurting out. And I was like, damn, you're dead now. Finally. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Was it a missed opportunity for you guys? Do you feel like he could have just like flashed some things when he got back in the car and then Jerry would have let him drive off? No, I like no. the way they did it. I like oh, yeah. the way that they did it. That would have been cheesy, but yeah, it would have kind of been fun. It's got to be an Easter egg, not an egg that's thrown at your face. 
That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I do have to say, though, between these two movies, I feel like this is a prime example of the difference between practical effects and CGI effects. Because I feel like in 2011, CGI effects weren't quite great yet. And practical effects at the time that the original was made also weren't quite great. So it was kind of like two, uh, like, approaches that did their best but neither of them were like fantastic and it was it's, it was really interesting watching both movies to con- compare and contrast the the different ways they uh created these visual effects of like bleeding or like a vampire exploding can i challenge that yes please uh avatar came out in 2009 oh shit okay so this movie had no excuse <laughs> <laughs> aside from budget but also looking at the 1985 version i feel like the practical effects were actually pretty solid and when you look at other films yeah. of that time, even if you have a distaste for them now being a modern audience, the quality of those effects are solid. Uh, you know, you think about like what was in Star Wars, you think about the original Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy's arms being stretched out. Practical effects were as good as they were ever going to really be at that point. I got to say, Chris, some of the practical effects in the original were pretty great, namely uh, Amy's transformation at the end. I thought the effects there were stunning. Uh, really impactful for me specifically um but then other effects were like so like cringe level shitty like the entire wolf scene with that animatronic wolf just struggling on the foyer with its awkwardly moving limbs i was like oh please this is bad let's not bring this into the remake please Mm, no i enjoyed that have you seen an american werewolf in london no oh so you need to watch that is it just as bad no i'm curious to see how you feel about it because the there's an incredible transformation scene and it's a mix of like really good acting and animatronics but it's so amazingly done with practical effects that you like the movies that came after it that you know just took the name and 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 ran with it that used cgi were trash in comparison because you like can't recreate the feeling of a good practical effect and this brought back some of those memories for me, but it wasn't as good because it was like, you know how we can show a transformation? We can just like, like cut and, and do a different, <laughs> you know, a different and shot. Cut and cut and cut. <laughs> See, I want to be clear. I feel like the transformation was actually very impressive for practical effects. Um, there were a lot of times where I was like, oh, this is actually, this is actually great. Um, but specifically when the wolf was just a wolf, that's right. when I, that's when they lost me. And I was like, this is a very bad animatronic wolf. Hallway. <laughs> yeah, flailing across the ground. It, it was really when it was dying, when its limbs were just kind of like rowboating in a circle. And I was like, that's a robot with some fur glued mm. to it. Ed's death as the wolf evolving back into Ed and then finally back as Ed in his final form was hands down my favorite death. Why? It wasn't even because I was so satisfied by Ed dying because honestly, he was annoying well, as fuck. <laughs> but yeah. it was Peter Vincent that made that moment because you have this guy who's been seeing this fake shit his whole life. He's now witnessing a child die and it's Ed's evolution or transformation back into a young kid. It's like, that's got to be harrowing for this man. At the end of the day, a child is dying ahead of, in front of him and all he has, all he can do is pull the stake out and get back to work. And that's really heavy. No, I thought that whole scene was, um, I, I mean, I even felt a little bit for Ed, honestly. I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, he, you know had this unfortunate thing happen to him and you know now he has become this thing he can't help it which is how i feel about vampires like once you're a vampire you have no idea of who you were as your previous self and your desire is just blood 
but mm-hmm. just my opinion. Interesting, because Being Human is a great British TV show that has a very different concept of that. And several <laughs> of the characters feel a lot of remorse um, over After. what they do as, as vampires. Yeah. One of the things that I loved, actually, about the original Jerry, you put original Jerry in the 2011 movie, and I think you have a relatively perfect cast. And when you look at just the amount of work that he put into that role, like your boy's eating apples all the time. Why? Because he decided that he has fruit bat DNA. Like that was a decision that he made. Is that what it was, Chris? Because I yes. wrote in my notes, what is up with vampires and apples? Because you see it in the original, you see it in the remake, you also see it in Twilight for some reason. And I'm like, what the fuck is with vampires and apples? <laughs> so I always saw the apples as imagery in Twilight, but not, I haven't, I didn't notice anyone actually eating them. Who was a vampire in Twilight. There's a scene where Edward like catches an apple at the last second. But he made the decision. He researched all this vampire lore and made very specific decisions to elevate the quality of his performance as a vampire. And he grounded his role into having a soul. Whereas Colin Farrell looked at the role and said, oh, I don't know, this guy doesn't have a soul. So I think that's why his performance, or at least for me, felt a little bit emptier. I definitely agree. I liked the uh, the performance of Jerry in the original. Um, I thought he was one of the the more standout roles in the film. Uh, his performance was great compared to the rest of the cast. I totally agree with you, Chris. The original Charlie was grating at best. He felt like a bad child actor that grew up to be a bad teenage actor. But I also didn't hate Colin Farrell as Jerry either. I feel like they both brought a relevant take to the character in that, you know, they were both sexy. I'll say that. Um, maybe one was sexier than the other. Who's to say? But I feel like Colin Farrell brought a more modern approach in that he was more kind of snarky, more like, oh, you think that that's a thing? That's not a thing. Uh, Vampire, like, oh, you're an idiot. And more condescending as a vampire, which I feel like would be the modern uh, vampire persona. But both of them, I feel like, did a kind of great job. And I didn't even like these movies. So daddy v. daddy, who wins? Yeah. Uh, Listen, Susan Sarandon has excellent taste in men, but also Colin Farrell is Colin Farrell, you know? This is hard, you guys. This is the hardest thing. Alexis, where you where you land? Can I throw in some some of my insight? Yes, please. Okay. So while watching the first one, I mean, we have Jerry and Billy. And Wait, are you about to give it your daddy? Well, I'm just gonna provide like my <laughs> Everybody my, can have a daddy. That's right. We I'm just gonna provide my thought on it because I feel like in the first one we have we have Jerry and Billy and they're really comfortable in in like themselves and, and their lifestyle. And that's and true. we get into Jerry from twenty eleven. And he's got this kind of, I don't know, just like really aggressive kind of bro bro culture that he's, you know, perpetuating. And so I feel like he's not outed yet. You know, I feel like he's, he's, he's not, he's not there in his life yet. (laughs) But still that like toxic douchey bro energy can also be hot. And that's why Colin Farrell has a career. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Oh yeah. I'm exactly sure. (laughs) (laughs) Colin Farrell is not a. He's not a Mark Wahlberg for me, but he's close. He's like danger zone. Really? Like getting into also with the thickness of his brow, he should play Charles Manson in one day. I love a thick brow, so I to me mm. that's a boon in every oh, in no. every category. Same. He looks like he has a thicket on the top of his